Anyway, without further ado, I want you, uh, Crossroads family, to help me give a big belt and welcome to Lexi Smith as she joins me on the platform today. Amen. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Texas is awesome. It is an awesome place. I had Mexican for breakfast. That's like fantastic. This that's how we roll down here. (laughs) That's how we do things down here. Um, I have already uh, been trying very hard to recruit her on staff here at Crossroads Church, and uh, so we'll see what God has for her. But but in all honesty, it has been a true pleasure uh, getting to know her, and and I believe that you're going to have an opportunity to do the same today. So first of all, as we talk about, tell tell us a little bit about um, about Rescue One, and um, before we go in, you know, to statistics and some of those other things, just tell us a little bit about Rescue One, what they do global, help give our people a picture of the ministry that you're involved in. So Rescue One is a nonprofit um, anti-trafficking mission based in uh, Tennessee, in Nashville. It originally started in Thailand, um, where the founders of the organization were missionaries, and their daughter was uh, attempted to be abducted and trafficked. So they moved from the city where they were ministering up into the mountains, and they thought, well, surely it's just a city problem. It's probably not out here. Well, lo and behold, they moved out, and they, they did find human trafficking. It just looked differently. Um, which is what we see a lot in the United States as well. And so they came back to the U.S., and this just kept being in their face all the time. And they're like, Lord, what do you want us to do with this? So um, Rescue One was born. In Thailand, we take care of about um, 400 women and children um, who have all been trafficked or we have prevented them from being trafficked. Um, And then in um, Nashville, um, in the U.S., we are passionate about activating the church and activating each and every community to be the answer um, to ending human trafficking right in their own uh, backyard. We have a safe house that we actually just got the keys for last week um, for adolescent girls, which is a big deal because there's a huge lack of resources nationwide. Um, and when we have a rescue, it's very difficult to actually get them resources um, and find a place for them to stay and to recover and to, to be made new. Um, so one of the things we, we do with churches is we actually uh, come and we train you guys on what is human trafficking, what does it look like, what does it look like in my community, in the context of my job, um, and what am I supposed to do about it? Then we um, give you the tools you need to start a task force and then uh, begin doing outreach in your own community. And from doing those outreaches in Nashville, just within one year, we have had um, 27 um, women and children um, rescued and prevented from trafficking right in Nashville. Amen. Give God a praise for that. Amen. That's an appropriate time to thank the Lord for his work. Um, when you came in today, you may have noticed on the back of your seats, uh, spread throughout, sprinkled throughout, you, you find a ribbon. And so we as a staff, as we've been strategizing for over a month, uh, as we've been planning for Lexi to come in, how can we how can we have a visual, a representation? You know, because what I said last week, if we're not careful today, as she mentioned statistics and as she mentions numbers, we'll sit in our chair and we'll be like, oh, my gosh, that's a terrible thing. But we'll not do anything about it. And that's not God's plan. God doesn't intend for us to hear the truth and just keep it for ourselves. The truth is meant to be shared. Amen? So we wanted a visual representation of somehow how can we, how can we recognize people who are truly these young boys, these young girls who are trafficked and, uh, and caught into human slavery. And so um, one, of, one of our team members came with this idea to put this ribbon um, to represent a person, to represent a real person. Um, and so one of the things that shocked me 
um, as we begin to discover this. Um, and I do in a minute, I want you also to mention just a little bit about the eight minutes, the, the show that you were on. And so, because we did talk about it in our church leading up to this moment uh, that was on A&E. And uh, you can talk a little bit about that show because I think it's important. Uh, it ties all of this together. But it's, as you said, it's not just a big city problem. It's not, uh, we, we sit in a bubble here and a lot of times in this comfortable church and we think, oh, that, that's not happening at Belton, Texas. Like, we're in the Bible Belt. <laughs> well, so is Nashville. Uh, you're in the buckle, right? And so it's not just a big, uh, big city problem. It's a local problem. So talk maybe a little bit more about, you know, as you're saying that, that it, it's happening everywhere. Um, and then, of course, talk about the show a little bit and how you were involved uh, in eight minutes. So I was on a show on A&E um, called Eight Minutes and had the honor of being a, a survivor uh, advocate on that show. And so basically on that show, what we did was I would go through online ads um, where girls are being advertised and I would con- we would make contact with them, um, ha- have them come into what they thought was a regular appointment and meeting, and then we would um, give them the opportunity to leave if they wanted to. Let me interrupt you. Did I talk about... Because um, I don't know if anybody else watched any of the episodes when we were telling you to watch them because now they pulled them off the air. Um, and so, but talk about like how you identified the, like when you were looking through the ads of these girls, that, you know, for prostitution, those things, like how did, you know, what, you know, the things that you were looking for, the markers, the identification things. Um, yeah, I'll absolutely do that. But I do want to give a warning. Don't get, a, a lot of people get really excited when they hear about this um, and they want to do something right away. Do not go online looking through these ads. Do not do it. Um, you're going to see pornographic images. It's going to be very difficult. And you can't just contact somebody without having resources um, available and ready for them. You can't just bring someone into your home as, as much as I understand the heart behind that. Like, oh, we'll just have them come live with us. It's very dangerous. Don't do that. Don't go online. But some of the things we, we do look for um, when we go on there are signs of abuse. Um, we look for uh, the surroundings, where they at in, in the context of the photo. And then one of the big things we look for is um, branding, what we would call branding, um, which is essentially the same thing that we do to our animals. Your dog, you put a dog tag on their collar, and if they run away from home, people know who to call and where to take that dog back to. That's what traffickers do, except they put a nice big tattoo across your neck or on your leg, and it, it says either the trafficker's name or their street name, or it'll say something like daddy or, you know, money, something like that. Um, and so those are huge indicators that, that we look for online. And I actually went online this morning um, to see how many ads had been posted, and um, I actually stopped counting uh, just for just Sunday morning at 9.30. There were already 157 um, ads posted, and a lot of them right off the bat were showing indicators of, of trafficking, um, a lot of them. The vast majority of them were very young girls, and um, I was actually, I was honestly shocked. I, You're talking about for our area, right? I'm, talk, I'm, I'm talking about Austin, and yes, your area as well. Anyone who advertises in Austin or an hour away, they'll come out here if somebody calls, and there were some of them that, that did include um, this area as well. Well, so... It's not just a big city problem. And then one of the things that I've been sharing with our, our congregation is that, you know, because of Houston being a port city and highways that come in and out of it, it turns out to be that it's at the top of the list for people being trafficked in and out. I don't know if anybody noticed last week. Again, if we're not careful, we'll just see something on the news and we'll dismiss it. Um, it was on Fox News. I'm sure it was on other news stations as well. But even in Ukraine, they found an 18-wheeler truck um, 33 people were dead 
um, three of them were children, and they were being smuggled. These were people being trafficked um, for slavery, sex, sex trafficking into, across the Ukra- Ukraine border. And they abandoned the truck and left the truck closed up, and these people died and suffocated in there. God's children, God's people. And so it's, it's happening worldwide. And so, again, our effort today is to bring, to bring awareness to us um, in, in, in our, own, our own town, our own cities, and our own community. Let's, go, let's talk a little bit um, uh, before we get into your testimony because we're going to end with that. So let's talk about some of those slides, some of your statistics. Let's talk about pornography, how it contributes, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to this epidemic and, and how all that ties in. Yeah, if um, you can just go to the next slide real quick. I don't know if you can. There we go. Perfect. So I don't know if any of you have, have ever seen these images. If you've ever, like, Googled human trafficking, you probably have come across these images. And this is what a lot of people think human trafficking looks like. Somebody that is has, you know, someone's hand around their mouth or their, their hands or their feet are tied. But I have never met one person that's been trafficked that that was their reality. And you'll hear a little bit of my story later, but that wasn't my reality. And there's this... Um, there's a lot of these stereotypes that we have of who a trafficker is, who a buyer is, and, and who a victim is, and what they look like that are completely false because Hollywood has created them, and they're just simply not true. And because of that, you guys are probably coming in contact with victims and buyers and traffickers constantly, and you don't even know it because this is your idea of what a victim looks like, and it's really not what they look like. You can go to the next slide. I've got the definition of human trafficking. Uh, This is by the UN. If you ever look it up, it's a really long paragraph. And I just kind of break it down into three sections because these these three things have to be present in order for a case, something to be human trafficking. Um, Basically, the definition says it is the recruitment, transport, transfer, harboring, receipts of persons by means of force, fraud, coercion, abduction, deception, abuse of power or vulnerability, giving of payments or benefits for the purpose of exploitation, including prostitution of others, sexual exploitation, forced labor, slavery, or similar practices, removal of organs, or other types of exploitation. And a lot of people don't understand uh, that means section. Um, You know, human trafficking, a lot of people think, oh, someone's being held in a room and they can't get out. Well, really, the chains of modern-day slavery, the reason why they're not on their hands and feet is because it's in their mind. They're brainwashed. They don't understand um, that they can have a better life, that they can have um, anything different than what they have, and they're, they're bound mentally. You can go to the next slide. The average age of entry um, we see in the United States is around uh, 14 to 16 years old. Um, globally, that actually has dropped for boys. It's younger. It's um, 11 to 12, and, and girls, it's 13 to 14 years old. That's, that's middle school. Those kids aren't even in high school yet, and they're being trafficked. They're experiencing a high sexual um, uh, abuse and content in their life, and they're not even in high school yet. And some of them maybe haven't even hit puberty. Um, and then you'll see kind of some of the venues where people are being trafficked. You can go to the next slide. In fact, um, one out of three victims are meet their trafficker online. And social media is a huge platform for people to have access to our teenagers and even young adults. I, we recently had a case in Nashville of this lady that was just in a really vulnerable point in her life. Um, she's actually close to my age, and she was lured um, into trafficking, and she was taken to Florida. She ended up in Nashville, um, and the first person to knock on her door happened to be Metro Vice. Um, and then we, we came in, and we assisted her and got her back to her family. Um, but 
they are smart people, and they know how to use the Internet. They know how to use social media, um, and I actually do uh, a lot more trainings on social media and, and safety and parenting through social media because it's constantly evolving and changing, and we have to keep up with all those things. Um, if you just want to go to the next slide. Um, a lot of people think that a lot of vac um, trafficking victims are like the ones who's saying in Ukraine they're being smuggled somewhere, and that totally does happen. Especially in Texas, you're going to run into a lot of people being smuggled over the border, oftentimes as mules carrying drugs. And then when they get here, they, they take the drugs out of them, and then they traffic them sexually. Um, that happens a lot here. Um, but the vast majority of victims in the United States are actually U.S. victims. Um, the FBI estimates that there is uh, around six to 800,000 um, victims in the U.S., and that number is extremely, extremely low. I've seen some studies say um, as high as 1.4 million um, victims of human trafficking right here um, in the United States, but there's about 14 to uh, 17,500 of those being internationals that are brought into the U.S., whether they come here legally and then somebody takes all of their um, passport information and, and forces them to stay, or they come in e illegally. You can go to the next slide. Um, this is kind of uh, a look at the human trafficking hotline number. And if you guys want to actually get out your phone now, I can give you that number because it's a really good one to have if you ever suspect um, human trafficking. You just kind of get that gut feeling like oh, something is off and it's just not right. And I think it's kind of what Lexi was talking about. You can call that number and put in an anonymous tip. It's not like 911. SWAT's not going to come where you're at. Um, it just helps them build a case. Uh, that number is 888-373-373. 7888. 888-373-7888. Um, and these are some statistics from that hotline number. This, this year already, um, there have been 833 calls in Texas, with 214 of those being trafficking cases. And we're, we're only, you know, halfway through the year. You want to go to the next slide? Um, this slide kind of just shows how many of those are sex trafficking cases, labor trafficking cases, where they're calling from, their ages, their genders. Um, and it kind of goes along with, with most statistics say that 80% um, of all victims are women and half of them are children. And this kind of um, represents that really well if you want to go to the next one. Um, this is just kind of a breakdown of, of who, who called. And the vast majority of people that are calling and, and starting these cases and opening these cases and helping people get rescued are people just like you. They're concerned community members who see something that they feel is off, and so they make a call in. Um, there was uh, a, a truck driver that recently saw something, and he, he happened to make a call, and he said, you know what, it could be nothing. Um, I, could, I could inconvenience this person for a little bit, but it really could be something. It ended up being something. This girl was being held um, at a truck stop and not allowed to eat or drink until she had made her quota. She had to make a certain amount of money if she even wanted to eat or drink. Um, and that girl was rescued because one person was concerned and trusted that gut feeling and made a call. You want to go to the next one? Um, I just wanted to show this picture of, of where you guys are. You're that pin drop right there. Um, and what you'll notice on um, the map is that there's a lot of interstate activity. And when you have a lot of interstates um, intersecting, you're going to have a lot of, of uh, increase of trafficking simply because they're constantly moving. They follow the money. So if there's a Super Bowl or if there's a large event somewhere, a Final Four or a convention, they're going to be taking those girls and traveling and moving um, all across the United States and 
Houston um, and Texas really in general is just very well known for um, having a lot of money, and this is just the money state, so people come here all the time. A lot of them will just run through regular um, Texas cities. They'll go from Houston to Dallas to Austin, um, and they'll just kind of travel through the interstates, and that's always something uh, that we look for because a lot of interstates makes your state a corridor uh, for human trafficking, which is very similar to what we see in Tennessee as well. You want to go to the next one? The biggest thing um, with human trafficking to understand is that it's a lot like this iceberg. All you can see sometimes is the surface level thing. So you may run into somebody and you just have that gut feeling like, oh, something's off or, oh, they have a weird tattoo or I, can, I see some bruising or just some small indicators on the surface. Um, but what we don't understand about human trafficking, everyone's like, well, why don't we just go get them and rescue them and take them out? Then, you know, poof, it's done and over with. But it's not that simple. Um, addressing the issue of human trafficking requires going, I mean, really, really deep, way deeper um, than a lot of people realize. And at the root of this, you can go to the next slide, um, of human trafficking is pornography. This is truly uh, where it starts, is pornography and how addictive it is. And the Bible has always told us that pornography and um, sexual um, lust and things like that are bad for us. They're going to take us to places that we don't actually want to go. But now science is even backing that up and showing us that porn is just as addictive as hard narcotics. So if you're viewing pornography and pornographic images, you may as well be shooting up with drugs. It's literally no different because it rewires your brain. It makes you think a different way. It changes your behavior. It changes your cravings. And the thing about an addiction is that no one ever starts drugs wanting to overdose. Everyone does it because it's fun. They're doing it at a party. Everyone's, you know, doing this. It's normal. But then an addiction takes hold, and you have to have more of it, and you crave more of it and more of it. And before you know it, what starts as a normal um, thing that everyone does, looking at images on a computer, turns into you purchasing somebody and meeting somebody and buying someone. And you never thought it would ever take you there. You thought you were just fulfilling a need. You were doing something that everyone else does. But the truth is it doesn't stop. And an addiction doesn't care who you are or what you have it just wants to be fed. That's all it cares about. And it will take your entire life, your family, your relationships. It will ruin your marriage. It will ruin your job if people find out what's going on. I mean, we're just recently in the last month, we've seen, you know, 400 pastors having Ashley Madison accounts, which is basically um, a website that helps you have an affair. We've seen people, um, main people in the media struggling with pornography, and we've seen the results of that. Jared from Subway has started purchasing children, is running a uh, child prostitution operation, when in 2007 and 8, he actually made remarks against people that do that. What happened? Pornography got into his life and took him over completely. You can go to the next slide. And the thing about it now is that it's not a gender issue anymore. It is crossing both sides because it's something that's constantly in our face. Pornography now... Um, our mainstream media is what we would call softcore pornography. So pornography has actually evolved. And just like um, somebody who's addicted to drugs, you have to start mixing drugs and doing all these crazy things in order to get high. Pornography has shifted as well, and it's gotten very, very violent, very vulgar. There's horrible, horrible, awful things now um, that you can find easily um, on your phone and on your computer through pornography, and those things are seeping into um, how people treat other people. And these girls that are being bought have to um, face the brunt of that. So they're being abused. And what people are watching through pornography is generally what they are forced um, to do. 
and um, it's terrible what they're having to go through. You can go to the next side because the problem is is that pornography has been um, you know, cut and edited just the way it's supposed to. It's an entertainment business. It's just like Hollywood. It's been um, formatted in a way that the viewer is going to uh, stay tuned in and they're going to keep watching, and it's not reality. And so people's idea of what sex and relationships are is way, way up here, when reality, it's very rarely up here, and it's usually kind of right down here. And the scary part is that the vast majority of kids are now being exposed to pornography um, between the ages of 8 and 10 years old. That's when their sexuality is developing. And so if you don't have protection on your computer and on your cell phone, you have got to do that, because all it takes is you typing in, uh, one of your children typing in a website wrong, and boom, it's there in their face, and they don't know what to do with it, and they get sucked in very, very easily. But what people don't understand is that oftentimes, um, even people that are in pornography, they're being exploited. Pornography is exploited by nature, but a lot of them come into those um, things not even wanting to do them. And what you don't see is the person standing off screen with a gun saying, if you don't. What you don't know is the threat that was made before. What you don't see is a person that's being held hostage while they film and make what they're doing. And what you won't see is the scene where my hair was pulled back. And I was told if I didn't shut up, that the same thing would happen to someone that I love very much. And that's where my story begins. You can go to the next slide. I actually grew up in a community just like this. I went to an Assemblies of God church. My family was very, very involved. I grew up in the middle class, and you would never, ever think that something like what happened to me would happen to our family. But I grew up in a situation where um, some cousins of mine were sexually abusing me all growing up, and I had just kind of learned um, to go along with it, and it won't get worse, and to not say anything because no one's going to believe me. And so when I was 10 years old and a trafficker came into my life, who was only 17 years old, by the way, who also had a pornography problem, and began selling me to his friends and selling me to people um, in the community, once I tried to tell something to somebody, no one believed me. It was too outrageous. There's no way anything could have happened like that. I just had this big imagination, or they made it up into something um, that there's just no way that, that that could happen, but it happens. It can happen here. It can happen in Austin, but it can also happen here. And it truly happens everywhere. And no one is immune to it. In fact, I think that is often what made me and my family more vulnerable is because we felt that something like that could never happen to our family, never to us. And so their guard was down. They didn't even think about it. And it happened anyway. Um, so today is a very heavy topic. Okay, everyone just take a deep breath, because I feel like we're all frozen right now in our seats. So let's, let's talk about the hope in this. Let's talk about the healing in this. Um, last night, she has a tattoo on her arm. And, you know, I'm going to work through this without becoming emotional, because I, wasn't, I could hear you and the girls talking about it, but I was listening in. When I heard you talk about that and... The reason they're there, and I want our people to know, because forgiveness is real, hope is real. Amen? Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. That's real stuff, that, that you can find real healing, that the stuff that has happened to you 
absolutely 100% the God of the universe can and will intervene and take that from you. So, you know, let's, let's talk about the, the next chapter, how discovering healing. Um, I think it's also important to, to mention because we talked about if you see something, say something. Um, because you mentioned to me uh, on our, in our phone conversation, but also last night you brought up that at one point you came to your youth pastor and you said something to him. And he said, hey, if you don't tell your parents, I've got to tell them. And so you did. And, 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 but beyond that, you said there was no follow-up, right? There was no one followed up with you. It was just, which to me broke my heart. Um, and so I say that to our congregation to say that, number one, if you see something, say something. Number two, if you're in the house today and you feel like there's a spotlight on you because this is your life, or maybe you were abused sexually as a kid and you've never said anything to anyone about it. I need to say right now in this moment that the God of the universe knows and he cares. And when you hurt, he absolutely hurts. And so I think you have got to tell the people because this is your story. This is your testimony. You walked this. Tell them what you told us last night, how even years later, you, how you discovered Jesus and that he was there. And I want you to say it in your own words, though. Yeah, so a lot of people always want to know, first of all, um, are those people in jail? No, they're not. Um, one of them died. I don't know if another one um, is alive or not. And the tattoo that he had on my, that he's talking about is, is one that I have on my arm. Um, and it is a cross with birds. And those birds represent um, the people that abused me. And um, to me, justice is not throwing people in jail and just leaving them there to rot and die, although that seems um, fair. In flesh, it seems like a good thing to do. It makes you feel a little bit better. But the truth is, when we throw people in jail and they're not being reached, they're going to leave and do the exact same thing because their heart is still hard. They haven't been changed. And when I experienced God radically changing my heart and healing me from things that I never thought I could be healed from, that I would just be this way for the rest of my life, I knew that that was the only way that they would ever change is if, um, if they became saved. Because the truth is, they have their own stories too. There are things that happened in their life that led them to the place where they were at in abusing me. And that's sad. My heart breaks for them too. Because Christ died for them also. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you're in this room and you're viewing pornography, or if you've done something awful to somebody else, Christ loves you just as much as he loves me. And he wants to see you set free. And he wants to see you find hope and to also be redeemed and share stories just like mine. I'm no different. I'm no special just because I was a victim. It doesn't make me uh, set apart because of that. He loves you just as much. And so a lot of people want to know, how, how did you get through that? How, how are you even still a Christian after all the things that have happened? You know, where was God and what was he doing? And you have all these different questions that you have to deal with when you walk through something awful. And, um, so I had a mentor who um, challenged me one day to look for Jesus in my memory. And I just, I laughed at her. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard in my life because I had been taught that God can't look upon sin, right? Because he's holy and he can't, he can't do that. So my uh, idea of him and, and the way I even visualized him was that he wasn't there and he was turned away, not because I was bad, but because what was happening was so awful. And she said, well, I just feel like that's what you need to do. You need to look for Jesus in your memory. And I did. And that's when I realized that that's why he came here. 
He came to this earth to be with you and I, to sit in the awful, to never leave our side, and to redeem our stories. And so when I look back in my memory, it was the memory of the time that I was first sold. I showed up to this boy's house, and he had a friend there, someone I had never met before. He told me to dance for his friend for $50. His friend was uh, pleased, and he, he liked me, and so he said, well, you can sleep with her for 100 And I can't tell you. There's literally no words to describe how it feels for someone to literally put a number on your life, on your value, and it only be $100. And that's it. And so I followed him up to his bedroom. But Jesus was with me the entire time. And he wasn't just with me. He never took his eyes off of me. He was never ashamed of me and of what was happening. And when he gave me to his friend, as his friend was raping me, he stood at the foot of the bed and he wept profusely. And tears just streamed down his face. And that's when I realized that he saw me no different than the day that I was born. I was still pure. I was still whole. I was still beautiful. What happened to me had, there was no residue in his eyes. It didn't change me and how he saw me. And it doesn't change you and how he sees you, no matter what you've done, no matter what has happened to you. There is nothing that can change that because his blood washes over all of those things and purifies you from everything that this world tries to throw at you. And that's how, I, that's how I made it through. And that's um, really what helped me the most. Even though I went through years and years of counseling, and counseling is awesome, and there's totally a place for counseling. But there's nothing like what Jesus can do in just a few moments. You know, I was, this isn't in my notes or in your notes. It's not a talking point, but it's just something that came to me. In Revelation, it tells us that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I, I sit here with a smile on my face because X amount of years later, here you are in Belton, Texas, talking to us. And... The very thing that the enemy tried to destroy you with, God today has taken that. He's literally given you a platform. He's healed you. He's restored you. He's blessed you. He's given you favor. He's done all those things that you're saying that is very real, that is so powerful. And so today, God is putting a win in his column with you. Uh, It's touched me, and I know it's touched our congregation. Lexi and I have prayed together. We prayed again last night together for this very moment. In January, I was in a room with 26 other men. And the guy that was leading the Bible study, he said, you know what? He said, I feel like I need to carve out a moment here because there's probably some men who have been as sexually abused as they were boys. And I was shocked, and I'm still shocked today, the amount of hands of, of grown men, 30, 40, 50, 60, some 80 years old, in that full mix of us, the amount of men that raised their hand to say, I was sexually abused as a boy. It broke my heart. I thought, how can this be? How is this happening? 
why didn't somebody say something? So here's what we're going to do today. We want to give God a chance to get the glory today. Amen? Amen, church? We want to give him an opportunity. We want to give you an opportunity to be healed today. As your pastor, I need you to know today that you don't have to leave here the same way. And it may not be this this radical story where you're sitting there and you're listening to her and say, you know, I I was never sold, right? There was never this dollar amount. Actually, as a band, keep playing. But before we go, I need you to say, tell them what you told me about as we talked about value, right? You talked about that. Talk about that real quick because that's so important in this moment about the, you know, our value and how it's assessed. And you talked a little bit about it, but discovering our value and how the world tries to place this value on us and media and ads and those things. I mean, Hollywood is constantly trying to tell us what we're worth. Um, and it's in the, it's in the eyes of the world, you know, of, of what they're, they're trying to explain. And, um, one of the biggest uh, vulnerability factors for anyone being trafficked is not knowing and understanding your worth and your value. That it is endless. It doesn't matter what has happened. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself because God thinks so highly of you. It doesn't matter if your life hasn't shown any fruit yet because he knows that it will because he can see to the end of your day and you can't. And that's what people don't understand. That's what a lot of teens don't understand. Instead, we put our hope in someone else. We put our hope in a boyfriend or girlfriend or a spouse or our job or um, something else. We feel like that is um, who we are. And if we don't do those things well, then, then we're not worth anything at all. But the truth is, is it wouldn't matter if you were homeless. It wouldn't matter if you were the richest person on the earth. He would see you exactly the same. Amen. Here's what we're going to do in this moment. Last, uh, if you guys would lower the house lights a little bit as we're going to a moment of worship. First of all, if you're here today and this is your story, like this has happened to you on some level, we want to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you were abused as a child. Maybe you were abused as an adult. You don't have to be a, a, you know, a kid or a teenager to be abused. It can happen at all stages of life. But you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor Matt, I, I have been taken advantage of. I have been abused. Maybe it's, it was rape. Maybe it was molestation, whatever it was, or however that looked like. You were, you know, what happens is we sit in church and we say, oh, those are terrible words to use. But my goodness, church, we can't beat around the bush. I mean, we can't tiptoe around this stuff. We have to face it head on. So maybe if, if that's you, and we want you to find healing today. Maybe that happened in your life. You know, like I said, you you found that you were abused. You found that this happened to you, that this is your story, and you want to find healing today. I'm going to ask, first of all, I want to ask all of my staff, my prayer partners, my elders to join me at the front and just line the front up here. Everyone else with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, First of all, nothing magical happens when we bow our heads and we close our eyes. I say this every Sunday. It's just a way for us to be in agreement and a commonality together. And you say, Pastor Matt, this is me. I was abused as a kid, or maybe I was abused as an adult, or or this is my story. I I was sold into slavery. I was sold into human trafficking, or you know this this abuse that that Lexi has spoken of. This this idea that you've been taken advantage of. Um, and he said, Pastor Matt, I've got to be healed from this today. I cannot 
continue to live my life. If that's you, I want you to be brave, and I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I want to know who you are. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Come on, be brave. Be brave. Amen. You can put your hand out of your raise it. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, be brave today. This is your chance to be free. Yes, I see you in the back. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, don't leave here today the same way. Don't worry. I know what's happening here. This man is, I know what's going on here. He's finding healing. Anyone else? Be brave today. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet right where you're at. For those that raise your hands, I want you to do something that that it you don't need to be embarrassed of, but it's something that you're going to find healing today. If you raise your hand, I want you to make your way up to the front. I want you to find somebody. Aaron, come up. He's already here. We're going to pray over Chloe. If that was you. You raise your hand. Some are already coming up. Come on. Let's give them a big hand as they come up. Come on. They're brave. They're brave. Listen, if that was you, 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 you need to find healing today. Find a place. We want to pray with you. Lexi's here. She's going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to sing and we're going to worship today that God makes us brave. Listen today, church, that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. This is real deal stuff today. This is not Mickey Mouse stuff. We are, we are confronting the enemy right where he's at. And God's going to meet you right where you're at today. Amen. So we want to agree with you. We want to pray with you as we sing and as we worship that God's going to meet you. I'm going to ask you to be reverent in this moment. No one moving around. No one walking around. This is a very important time. Come on, let's find time to pray today. If there's a man or woman in here, you have a sexual addiction, addiction to pornography, looking at things you shouldn't look at. We want to pray with you today. We want you to be free from that. Do not be embarrassed. Do not be embarrassed. Come forward today. Make a bold step today. Get freedom from that. Be br- let those chains be broken off of you today. Find freedom today. Make a brave step today. Move forward and get freedom from that today. I just want to pray a prayer over the spirit of fear, and I feel like it's something that's might be choking some of you out. I understand that sometimes you've been dealing with things your entire life and you don't understand how life can be without this. And it's scary to think of letting go of something, even though it's killing you and it's destroying you from the inside out. You don't know how there could be anything different. It's scary to let go of something. And sometimes our darkness can become comfortable to us. Sometimes darkness can become a comfort because it's all that we've ever known at this point. Or we've gotten so used to it. And the light is scary because we don't know what's on the other side. But I just want to encourage you because God never removes something to leave an empty hole. He's going to fill it with himself. He's going to fill it with worth. He's going to fill it with encouragement. He's going to renew you and to restore you. And I just want to encourage you guys to let go of whatever, um, whatever you're afraid of letting go. It doesn't matter if it pertains to what we talked about today or if it's something completely different. But God, I just come against the spirit of fear. Holy Spirit, we ask God that we ask that you would just fill this place, overflow this altar.